So I'm a great believer that the greatest currency in the planet is relationships. Relationships and communication are still two of the things you can't download an app for. Welcome to Conversations with Connors. I'm your host, Adam Connors. Allow me to introduce you to my friend, Steve Sims, the man that has famously been called the real-life Wizard of Oz because of all the cool experiences that he has created for people, like taking a submarine trip to the Titanic, becoming James Bond for a weekend in Monte Carlo, or closing down a museum in Florence, Italy for a private dinner for six at the feet of Michelangelo's David, while Andre Bocelli came in and serenaded the guests. Pretty cool. Steve is the founder and CEO of The Bluefish and author of one of my favorite books, Bluefishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. If you aren't already familiar with Steve, then I feel very fortunate to be the person that brings him into your life. I say that because after getting a sense for who he is and what he's all about, I'd be shocked if you don't run out and get his book and look into some of his events. I can say this because I've had the good fortune of experiencing them firsthand and they are as billed. Top shelf. Regarding his book, it's one of the more fun reads that's loaded with countless anecdotes and quotes that really hit home. I recommend the Audible version because unlike most audiobooks, it's actually Steve's voice. We had a fun conversation sitting poolside at the Roosevelt Hotel in Hollywood, California. So apologies if the sound quality wasn't up to snuff like most of our others that we do in the studio, but candidly, the ambiance was great. In this conversation, Steve shares with us how to become a more effective communicator, how to go about choosing the right connections and offering something when you don't feel you bring much to the table. More importantly, as you listen, you'll find yourself evaluating relationships you currently have and weighing their worth to your life. As you'll see, Steve is just an awesome guy who does amazing things and lives a life by design, not by default. He makes it abundantly clear that if this son of a bricklayer from London can make things happen, then why can't you? Follow some of his principles and get into his network, and I assure you that you can. Now, sit back and enjoy the conversation with my friend, Steve Sims. Let's talk about the speakeasy, if you could. I'd love to, if anyone who hasn't read your book, they need to. If anyone hasn't heard you on another podcast, they need to. If anyone just doesn't know, they need to know everything that you've done and all the things that you've going on because in my humble opinion, there is something that you offer that anyone could benefit from, in my opinion. Well, straight off the bat, I think so. And it's not just because it's me, but it's the fact that too many people overcomplicate shit. I never have, and I'm doing okay. So the bottom line of it is, if a bricklayer from East London can be getting up to the shit I am, then you're out of excuses already. You <laughs> <laughs> completely agree. Can't argue with you more. Your book spoke to me because it was so... You just broke things down in such layman terms. And you essentially... My great takeaway was, not only was it a fun book and it was easy to read, but it was spoken in such plain and direct terms that, like you just said, anyone, essentially, if they put their mind to something, can accomplish it. Oh, yeah. There was a friend... Most of my education comes from quips and quotes and knowing smarter people than me. And I've always classed myself as a highly educated individual. 
school had nothing to do with that. Mm. It was the people that I managed to get in front of, the people that I'm able to class as my friends now, that has given me that education and, and degree. But I remember speaking to a friend of mine through Joe Polish, and he said, Steve, you've got to understand, there's a difference between being easy to understand and impossible to misunderstand. And at the time, I was kind of like, well, hang on a minute, that doesn't kind of make a lot of sense to me. But the more I thought about it, I strive to be impossible to misunderstand. And so is that clarity, is that transparency, is that ease to understand what I'm saying that is my target to hit every single time? So thanks a lot for that. But I want to make sure that everything I say is just so simple for you to grasp that it's not going to overcomplicate, it's not going to aggravate, it's not going to annoy, it's not going to cause any friction, and you're going to be able to action it. So that's the focus. Read it, great, I understand it, but then the key is to action it. I love the simplicity. It was really interesting. So I used to do in the business world, I used to deal with a lot of contracts, and I had one of my mentors who I, used to, who I did a lot of work with. We were looking through some of these contracts, and what he told me, he goes, Adam, he goes, the best people are the smartest people they don't use all this legalese jargon it's the most straightforward easiest to read those are the contracts those are the real deal makers those are the real people so to your point that's just so important so talk to me about the relationships that you've developed how have you created some of the relationships that you have and what do you do to maintain them so i'm a great believer that the greatest currency in the planet is relationships relationships and communication are still two of the things you can't download an app for. And everyone is looking for the green pill. They're looking for something that they can just swallow, push a button, buy a CO, and they're looking for the easy way out. And relationships are not. And so whenever I've gone for a relationship, it's gotta be a value to me. That's the selfish side. And then selfishly, I've gotta be a value to them. Because if it's a one-sided relationship, it ain't lasting for 10 minutes. Now, not all relationships have to make you rich, but they may make you wealthy in other ways. I've got some phenomenal relationships where I know when I go out for dinner with these people that I'm picking up the check because they either can't afford to be in the, in the restaurant that we're in or they're not drinking the kind of drinks that I like to drink because I'm a snob as far as whiskey goes. <laughs> but uh, they add something to my life. They make me laugh. I love being with them. So there's got to be a benefit. Relationships, you have to start getting cynical with to have good relationships. You have to look and you have to go, well, hang on a minute, who's benefiting from this relationship? Well, they're benefiting from the people that I know that's helping them financially, or they're benefiting with the fact that I'm flying them over to events that I'm doing. What am I benefiting from them? And you've got to be that cynical. And if you can go, they make me smile. They make me content. They know good jokes. They help my business. They've got ideas on how I can stay fit. If there's a something, keep them in your world. If there's not, get them out of the world and make space for people that really give you value. So when I look at relationships, I look at, well, okay, how does this benefit me? How can I benefit them? And if there's a win-win, that's something I actually want to kind of focus on. And I've been very fortunate. I've been very fortunate to have relationships with literal rocket scientists, to superstars, to people that you've never heard of that just happen to be some of the wealthiest people in the world. But I've always been there to create value both ways. That's awesome. That's a great answer. And I don't even know where to begin. But I'm going to start with how did you or what was the value that you brought to the table before you were 
the guy I'm sitting across from today. Well, I've never changed from being the guy that you're sitting across the table from. I come from a period and from a geographic location, East London, where if you said something that pissed someone off, you found out about it by feeling that skin on your nose. (laughs) And it wasn't like social where you go on Instagram and you go, oh, that dress doesn't suit you. It pisses the other person off, but you don't find out about it until six months later. We're slow on seeing the reaction nowadays, and I think that's detrimental to communication. I come from a period where if I piss someone off, I knew about it really quickly, and then I either had a backpedal, stand up for myself, or apologize. There was an instant reaction. So for me, as I was growing up, if I wanted to be of value to someone, I had to know how to fix that bike better than them. I had to kind of be able to do something for them, introduce someone for them, be able to build something for them. And I remember as I was growing, I was a doorman on the nightclubs, and I would see rich guys come in, and I would want to be in their world because they had watches I couldn't pronounce, let alone bloody afford. They were in suits with, again, tabs that I could never think I could live up to. I had to be a value in that world in order to be allowed into it. So as the doorman, I knew where the best bars and clubs were. So I used my relationships to get them into it. So I became the oracle of where the cool places were to be. I became a value. And then, of course, I'd be able to get things and arrange things. I became the fixer. Mm. But it was all really just trying to get into that world because they say you are the combination of the five people you hang out with. Well, at the time, the five people that I were hanging around with had no freaking jobs and no money for anything. So that was me. So I thought if I could actually hang around with people that were smart, and of course I made mistakes. In the old days, I would analyze and quantify with my eyes. You've got a fancy car, you've got a sharp suit, you've got a good-looking girl, you've got a watch on you. You must be successful. Only to find out that they weren't. They were shysters just wearing the costumes and the, the little trinkets of success, but they were not successful. So you went through that in your early stages until you realized that the best way to quantify if they were successful or not was not with your head, but with your gut. And that actually took me back to East London. If you saw a guy and something was in in your gut, you know it was fight or flight. And we then start trusting our eyeballs. So I actually went back to trusting my gut. And so getting rid of those people and actually finding people, or there'd be that quiet person in a group. The nine times out of 10 was the most successful of that group. And you could sit next to him because you had been valuing that conversation and in that circle to get them into a location that maybe they couldn't get into, didn't know how to get into, were embarrassed to ask to get into. And you're now sitting next to this guy that is doing something good with his business that you can go, hey, John, are you enjoying yourself? Yeah. So how did you get here? Why did you want to get? And all of a sudden you can start communicating with these people. And if you're lucky, they become friends. You bring value, they bring value, and you start learning the tricks of the trades from some of the best in the world. Mm, Well said. And something that you pointed to that I'm sure you're conscious of it, not sure if you meant to, my point is questions. In my opinion, it's the good questions. The better the question, the better the response. And that information is ammunition, ammunition to build a better relationship, ammunition to know if you need to stay away. And you just mentioned a couple of, I thought, really good questions. Are there other questions that you typically ask people to get under the hood on how they think earlier or i ask a lot of questions i am 53 years old now and i still class myself as an eight-year-old 53 i'm an irish boy from east london and we're always kind of like pulling things apart that we shouldn't and looking up the skirt that we shouldn't and that, that kind of stuff 
I've never changed. And so I will go up to people and I'll be like, how come you're here? What was it that made the difference from you going up or down? I love going up to people and saying, how many times you failed and what was your biggest failings? Yeah, when was the last time you failed? And everyone I know, whether it be bloody Elon Musk, Elton John, so again, people that you have no idea who or what they do, but they just happen to own countries. Hmm. That's serial failures. Oh, yeah. And they just didn't allow it to define them. It allowed them to refine them. And so I love going up to these people and going, so how many times you failed in the last week? Oh, so what went wrong here? And I love to ask. I always have a smile when I ask a question, but I want to get under the hood. And I ask questions and I ask them a lot mm. to the point of annoyance. But if you do it with a smile, you'd be amazed how many times you get the answer. But I have noticed that that's one of my secret sources. Yeah. I had a... And I think I'd shared this story with you before. I had a client that wanted to have an exclusive restaurant in Florence. Shrink that story down, but through connections and people that I know and credibility, I managed to shut down the museum that houses Michelangelo's David, set a table of six up at the feet of that, and then had Andrea Bocelli come in and serenade this group while having dinner. That's an amazing thing. Still gives me goosebumps never get over the kind of lovely things I can get away with and I can pull off. But one of the things that marries how big a deal that was, was a conversation I was having with the head of the museum. And I was pretty full of myself. I just pulled off this amazing dinner in a place that doesn't even allow drinks in. And there's me with a full dinner being served. Doesn't allow music, and I've got Andrea Bocelli in there on the bloody piano. <laughs> so all of these things that were like incredible, you can never do that kind of things. And I'm stood with the guy from the academia, and I said to him, I said, this is pretty impressive, isn't it? Now, one of my tricks is I never ask a question that you can answer a no with, unless no's the answer I want. So I never allowed him to give me a no up until that event, because I didn't want the event not to happen. I wasn't going to risk it a 50-50. And you can ask people a question. No is quite often the answer you'll get because it's the knee-jerk and the shortest answer. You know, hey, can we do No, well, no, we can't. And then you've got to go through the, well, why? And you've got to clamber oh, back. Yeah, so don't even yeah. ask a question that they can answer no to. So now that I was already in there, I thought I'm comfortable with getting a no. So I said to him, you know, are you happy with this? If he had turned around and said no, what do I give a shit? I was already in. And he was like, this is beautiful. And I said to him, I said, did you ever think this would happen? No, he didn't. And of course, again, my ego's starting to swell up and I'm feeling a bit cocky. And I went, has this ever been done before? And he was like, it's not, Stephen. Of course, my ego's about to burst because I'm the big dog that's pulled this off. And I said to him, I said, um, so how come we're here now doing this? And it was that moment that I was expecting him to give me the final rub off my ego. <laughs> I was expecting that, well, no one's as connected as you, Steve. No one's as, as smooth as you. No one knows the people. He just looked at me and he went, no one's ever asked. And that killed it, you know? <laughs> and I just realized that most people don't do stuff, not because they're not capable, but because they're frightened of the possibility they could be turned down and they don't want to ask. And so it's easier for them to go, no, that can't happen, than for them to actually risk the embarrassment of trying for it. Now, of course, I'm a stupid little Irish kid. 
and still am. And I go and open up doors and I make phone calls and I knock on people's shoulders at events that people don't think I should do. But I get away with it because I ask. So how much of that do you think is versus fear? Because I do agree. I, I definitely agree with the fear, which is, you know, the acronym, false expectations about reality. Mm. But versus your intent is very positive. And I think that's very clear. At least my experience with you is that you're a sincerely positive intent to whatever it is that you're asking for. So do you feel that that weighs in on your ask because people can tell that, not that it's malicious, but there's no bad. Like, you're not looking for something just Oh, it's for transparent. You. Let me help you transparent. out there. Transparent. Thank um, you. Yeah. I've become really good at this. And here's the scoop. If you're in any position of power, strength, or opportunity to somebody else, when someone's locked eyes with you and they're coming towards you to ask you a question... You have one question in your head. What do these people want? And you can see it. If you're on a celebrity event, and I'm talking with someone that's famous or powerful, and let's be serious, in the 80s, all the rock stars were literally rock stars, okay? Now the rock stars are business people as well. Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk. They will be in an environment, and people will want that selfie as much as they do with Lady Gaga or Elton John or Steven Tyler or any of these others. These are modern day rock stars. And you will see someone lock eyes and come up. And all that person, the celebrity, the rock star, the powerful person is thinking, what do they want? Do they want a selfie? Do they want me to fund their project? Because that's what they get 99% of the time. So whenever I go to these people, I go, hey, I'm Steve Sims. The first thing I do is I get somebody else to make the introduction. Because the bottom line of it is, if I tell you how bloody amazing I am, it's promotion, it's marketing, it's ego, it's arrogance, blah, blah, blah. If your best mate says Steve Sims is brilliant, it's gospel and it's credible. So I always get somebody else to go, this is Steve Sims. You, you got to listen to that guy. Yeah, he's a funny looking dude and he's pulled shit off with like some of the most amazing. Listen to him, hear him out. And then they're like, all right, what do you got? And then I always turn around and go, I want something from you. And that's pretty apparent by the fact that I'm talking with you. But I also bring something to the table. I'm aware you're raising money for this foundation. I'm aware you're launching this new project. I'm aware you're going on concert. I am aware you've got a book coming out. I'm aware your kid's school is trying to raise money for a trip to Budapest. And I have a solution to that. But I want something from you. Can we continue? Great. Now, let me ask you this. Let me throw a curveball at you. So that's someone that you've had the luxury of doing a little research on. What about the random person that you meet, I don't know, through a friend, at an event, whatever that might be? How do you go about that approach? Well, you've got to sniff it out first, haven't yeah. you? You've got to turn around and you go, all right, Adam, what do you do? What do you do that's a value that could possibly be interesting to me? Mm. If you ask that question to someone, nine times out of ten, it's going to knock them on their back foot. Because you will. If you're in an environment, a social environment, and you've got a drink in you, and you've got a drink in your hand, you can turn around and go, hey, Adam, what makes you so interesting that I should know you? And it can make people go, oh, and you go, hey, Straight up question, buddy. We're here. We haven't got a lot of time to spare. So tell me, give me the elevator pitch on why Adam wanted me to know you. Mm, that's great. What are your thoughts on being too forward? That might turn someone off. Is Are you just like, ah, screw it, then they're not for me from a chemistry standpoint? or You know, I'm 240 pound of ugly. 
So if someone's in my face, then they have already got past this. Yeah. If the person sees me in the room and goes, well, I want to avoid that guy, well, he shouldn't have been in my circle in the first place. <laughs> um, but if someone brings you over to me and goes, Steve, you've got to meet Billy, then if I'm looking at Billy and I'm going, hey, Billy, what makes you so fucking awesome? I've got to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> then it may make a think go, everyone's going to get away with that or what? <laughs> I think yeah. I think yes because the trouble is it's very transparent that we're now engaged mm-hmm. it may have rocked you a little bit by that you're like someone will say oh well, we should chat and I'll turn around and go oh really why well that was your response to me by the way so I oh you were out. one of the wise I was a why yeah that was, and it was yeah. good I, I, I very much appreciated that I was like made me feel good to be honest that you gave the why I'd well read, that's the yeah. thing people so, so for the listeners if people reach out to me through the social feeds you know the LinkedIn the, the, the Facebooks whatever and we'll make sure that's postable yeah that's fine yeah. but when people reach out to me and they go I read your book I saw this I did this I did that we should chat okay then I will often respond with sounds great why and I will get, and I've had it some people, I've had people go, well, that's arrogant. I don't think I want to continue here, or oh, you're fully yourself. Or I get people that just don't respond. And then I get people going, well, the reason is because I host this or I do this, and I just felt that this may be a voucher. Great answer. Thank you very much, Adam. When's a good time for you? Mm. You see, we're not getting any younger or prettier, and I'm certainly not on either count. So I just want to know, how can I make the best out of this new relationship or potential relationship in front of me? And if by me scaring the shit out of you by just asking you why, if that kills the conversation, we were never meant to be in bed with each other. But if you've got the kahunas just to stand up and go, great question, Steve. This is why. Bingo. Let's go forward. Why do you think most people are dropping the ball? Where do you see it? Do you think it's a technology thing? Do you think this is a generational thing? Do you think it could be just the um, It's think- not generational because yeah. I can piss off 90-year-olds as fast as I can piss off 18-year-olds. So it's not generational and age-wise. I think technology has a lot to do with it mm-hmm. and the fact that a lot of people don't communicate now. If your phone rings... Nine times out of ten, you respond with, oh, I'm sorry about that. It's an intrusion in your life. And I feel because of that intrusion, a lot of people don't like to communicate anymore. The phone is looked at as an intrusive thing. It's going to be a spam or a scam. Oh, my God, I'm eating dinner. All those kind of things. People don't like talking to people nowadays. Mm. And I think because we're not talking to as many people as we used to, a question like why irritates, whereas before it was just a question, why should we talk? It's not rude. Yeah. I'm not being rude. I'm just going, oh, Adam, you've reached out. Why should we chat? Give me a reason. It's all I'm looking for. Yeah. And someone, I've had people turn around and go, I know really filthy jokes. Great. When should we chat? <laughs> yeah. I'm just asking for that why. But then I get some people turn around and go, oh, I've got this project we can make a lot of money out of. Well, Okay. Send me an overview before we talk. I'd rather talk about it on the phone. Well, I'd rather have an understanding before we talk. Well, then I'm not going to go any further with it. You know, if you're not open-minded, fine. Have a good day. You just saved yourself some time. Saved myself a lot of time. Time is the most precious commodity, in my opinion. Well, I think time is the most important commodity. But then very close to that is your value and how you actually disperse that time that you don't have a lot of 
with those relationships that we mentioned at the beginning. See, I'm a great believer that if we make a really great relationship in 10 minutes, then we can lose it in 30 seconds. I think relationships are 300-year-old oak trees. And I think that metaphor is getting stronger today. You see, you'll meet someone and you'll start to get into a relationship with them. But if you've only known them for six months and someone comes along to you and says, you're working with Steve, that guy's a scam. You've got to be careful. The relationship is very young. So if you think of it like an oak tree, when you get that seed, there are a million ways that seed can die. You know, all you got to do is put it on the floor and ignore it. Dead, okay? But you've got to nurture it. You've got to water it. You've got to feed it. You've got to make sure it's soiled. It's potted. It's protected from all the elements. Until at the end of that 300-year-old period, you can drive a bus into it and the bus is going to come off worse. That's a relationship. When someone turns around and goes, Steve, you've got to be careful of that guy. And that relationship is a 300-year-old oak tree that turns around and goes, Adam, please walk on. And they don't even, no doubt is anywhere near you whatsoever. That's what you're looking to build. You're looking to build up relationships that can stand the test of people throwing shit at it, trying to put dispersions or, or cast any kind of scam into it. That's the 300-year-old oak tree. So I openly, when I've done speeches, I've said to people, how many 300-year-old oak trees do you have in your phone book? That if someone came across with a product that was similar to what you were doing and went, you're working with Steve? Well, I've got something. And that oak tree will turn around and go, please, I've heard enough. Mm -hmm. I'm staying with Steve. Apologies for interrupting this conversation, especially if you're really enjoying it. I know that I get frustrated when I'm listening to a good podcast, so I'll make it quick. If you're enjoying our podcast, please support us on patreon.com slash networkwise. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash networkwise. All patrons will receive early access to podcasts and exclusive networking advice. Okay, that was painless. So all you have to do now is help us on Patreon and enjoy the remainder of the show. So really interesting that you mentioned that. There are a couple things that come to mind. Number one, there was a study, and I've got to find, I have it somewhere, I don't the sighting of it. It was really interesting. They're saying that the world has changed so much in the past few, really since the 80s. The majority of it, as things are happening so much quicker now, as a result of technology, it's making people very more disconnected and removed. And now there's this really big problem with loneliness. And Vivek Murthy of the World Health Organization in, in 2017 identified loneliness and stress as the biggest epidemics of the 21st century. But one of the things that I'm citing was they said that outside of your direct family, you should have at least three relationships that you can count on for anything, whether it's a ride to an airport to being able to confide your most deepest secret. So as of, they said you should have at least like 2.97. I don't know where they come up with the statistic, but they say <laughs> that's what it used to be. On, on average, people had this for centuries. And now ever since the, I believe it was like 84 or 85 or since then, that average now is down to less than one. So people are dropping off. And as a result, the domino effects, like I said, the loneliness, the suicide rate has gone up significantly higher as a result of that. So people aren't building the right types of relationships. They're not building those oak trees. And I think a lot of the things that you talked about, about just being real with people, being straight with people, being honest, solidifying, establishing these relationships is that much more important. People aren't realizing that we are the slowest forming 
technology in the planet, you know? <laughs> Everything that we can look at now, whether it be a bloody coffee machine, a phone, a TV, is being updated every month. We're only a few years over bloody standing upright and losing web feet. We don't evolve very fast. And in another 50 years, guess what? We're still going to be the same kind of people that we are now. We're pack animals. And we've brought in these elements of, and it's so bad that it's called, but social platforms that are everything other or anything other than social. I've had people go over to me and they've gone, oh, we're Facebook friends. Yeah, we are Facebook relations. We maybe follow each other but you've got a freaking picture up there from when you were 19 years old now you're 43 years old how the bloody hell would i ever recognize you i know nothing about each other friendship and relationships are something that people should focus on because you're right you do need to be able to just phone someone up every now and then go i'm having some shit i had a perfect example yeah i'm not gonna dramatize it because it really wasn't anything big but this Thankfully, it could have been worse, but I had this drunk driver rear-ended my motorcycle trailer as I was coming home on Saturday. Trailer's dead, but it kind of concertinaed all of the impact. So in the car, we heard the noise but didn't really feel anything. Killed my bloody trailer, but the first thing I was able to do was turn around to my wife and go, look at my phone book and look up the area and then see who's in the area and get someone to give us a lift up. Okay, And she was able to look on there and I was able to call a couple of people. One of them was actually out of town. He was in Vegas at the time. The other one was like, I'm just around the corner. I was like, do you know anyone local? Didn't get? He was like, I actually know someone that owns a transporter. Find the guy up and get him to send me over someone. And he did. And I was able to do that because of the relationships. People are focusing on how good I look. How does my Instagram profile make me look? I've got to appear better than I am. There is so much of a standard of bullshit that we actually accept now that when we meet someone that's just transparent and I'm avoiding the word authentic like the play because I can hate that <laughs> word um, <No> you do. <laughs> but I want people to look yeah. at someone and I want it to be transparent I want someone to be able to look at you and go well he ain't a rocket scientist but he's a good cat if I need my bar tab paid because I left my wallet at home in fact let's I don't want to kind of like flip flop but no, bring it on. I remember as a kid, and it's funny the lessons you learn as a kid, that as a kid means shit to you until you're 40. And I remember when I was in my early 20s, bearing in mind, we mentioned this earlier, a bricklayer from East London. My dad bought a new car once, once, and it was about 12 years old. That was our new car, okay? I think we only had three cars in my entire life of living with them. But I remember understanding growing up of how poor I was and how I resented being so poor and it wasn't until I was in my late 20s realizing how wealthy I actually was because I knew what it was like to get up at four o'clock in the morning and cycle in to get a job I learned all those lessons I hadn't realized how powerful my family had actually taught me but it was the weirdest places that I got those lessons and my mum would send me down with a shopping list down to our corner shop we had this Indian corner shop, and Raj was the guy that was always in there. Miserable old boot of a bloke he was. But <laughs> I would walk in there. Of course, I'm a 12-year-old kid or something, and I'm walking in there. And I would go around with these bags, and I would collect all the food into these bags. Not into a basket, into the actual bags that my mum had given me to collect the food. And then I would go to the cashier and go up to Raj, and I'd give him the shopping list that my mum had given me. And then he would look at it and make a note of everything. 
And then he'd be like, your mum coming in on Saturday? And I'd be like, yeah, she'd be in here. like, all right. And, and I would leave. And then I would go home. Then on Saturday, she would come in and she would pay for the groceries and the magazines and anything else that I'd added to it, like an extra bar of chocolate or something like that, would be added to it. And she would pay on Saturday. Now, quite simply, I'm sat in front of you now and I've got an expensive watch on. I don't look like a crook. You know, I'm a big, ugly fella. But I've got a few things that says that I've got a bit of money on me. Okay, if I walk into a supermarket and I grab a bar of chocolate and I try to leave and tell the cashier I'm coming back Saturday to pay for it, I'm going to be arrested. Okay, we've lost that trust. And in losing that trust, we become very skeptical and cynical and we accept the bullshit that people have. How many people do we know that put on a front? by, you know, hocking the life out of themselves to lease a bloody car that they really can't afford. And we're like, yeah, Jerry, you know, you shouldn't I hey, but I need the car. Everything's wearing them and not vice versa. Mm, well put. And we're actually seeing so many people that are donning these clothes to try and give off a perception to make you feel as though they're a person that's worth it. That's a freaking calculation that Elon Musk couldn't calculate. And I feel that too many people now are trying to be something that they're not, and we're in a world that's accepting that bullshit at a level that we've never seen before, we need a reset. And we need to meet like two dudes here, like me and you, you're sitting there in a gray t-shirt and jeans, is it jeans? Yeah, sweatpants and sneakers. I got jeans and a bloody motorcycle helmet behind me, and it's two dudes having a chat. Yeah, I agree. The substance is so important, and it's lost a lot. A lot. Of it's lost, but bring it back. Get past the suit. Get past the cool watch, and just go. All the shit that you spell, all the little quotes that you post on Instagram, where did it come from? I'm amazed at the gurus out there now that are selling these courses that have never freaking done it before in their life. These skinny girls that have never been fat telling me how to freaking diet. These guys that are telling me how I can be a billionaire within a year where they have never done it before. Where's the information coming from? Look at the source before you look at the message. Let's talk about that for a second. So you've got some really cool stuff. What is it that you're offering to your clients, your guests, your readers, your followers? Because I think that I've been to your New York speakeasy and I want to talk about that because I know you've got the one in L.A. coming out soon and all the other things that you've got coming down the pike. So who should be a client of Blue Fishing or which company is it? Well, the, um, the Steve D. Sims has a private community called The Speakeasy. Anyone in there should be the people that aggravated and they don't like the way things are going. So I'm looking for a bunch of moany whiners that are willing to do something about it. <laughs> I'm there to... I'm going to punch in the nose. That's the bottom line of it is. I want you to stop gauging your fake success by everyone else's Instagram profile. And I'm there to show you. And you've met me. And we've known each other for a while yep. now. And this is as good as it gets. You know me for five minutes. You meet me in a bar for five minutes. You know everything you need to know about me. What's going to piss me off? How far you can tell me with the dirty jokes? Our texts that go backwards and forwards yeah. were some of the most inappropriate, funny shit <laughs> that I end up posting because my people are also misfits. Yeah. But I'm there to go, look, you don't have to do it this way. You don't have to invest in a CRM program that's going to cost you five grand a month and then you're going to need Einstein to work out for you how to use the freaking thing. Be impactful with your messaging. 
be sincere with what you're trying to do understand how to be as raw and as impactful as possible i'm going to show you how i've done that with richard branson the pope elton john etc etc so i'm there to show people how it should be done because that's how it was always done the daft thing about the book and you read the book a couple of uh, times okay a couple of times let's be completely blunt biggest waste of money that you've ever spent on a book why because it was all obvious and there was nothing that's what i loved about it it bingo it's you should be pissed off thinking i've just milked you for 16 dollars 99 but the thing is we overlook it and we complicate our life and that book's gone hang on you can do this and it's going to cost you fifty thousand dollars but you know if you tried this for fifteen dollars or three dollars you'd have a greater chance of actually getting through to the person you wanted to be with and it's impactful raw simple stuff of how to get things done and we overlook it we look at how we can complicate stuff we look at how we elon musk i met elon musk and we were at spacex and there's a true story about this so they build all the rocket do you know the story behind spacex by the way probably not yeah all right but keep going i'll interrupt right, it's, so, it's a good story on how he did it so, so i'm in spacex uh, down at that hawthorne and they got the fuselage Mm -hmm. And they were talking to me about all of the rockets at that time were still being sent out of Cape, okay, over in Florida. So what they were needing to do was they were needing to put these bloody fuselage on these ships and then taking them down all the way through the Panama Canal, back up again. That was very expensive to Oof, do, yeah. okay? He worked out, well, why aren't we just sending them by truck across America? And they said, we well, can't do them because they're too wide. So he said, well, okay, what is the width of the maximum that I can send a fuselage across America? So they gave him this width. So what he did was he was able to find out that to keep all of the integrity, the strength, and the <coughs> insulation required, he was actually, with new technology, able to make the diameter thinner by actually retaining the internal measurements just by using modern day technology which meant that he can stick it on a truck get it over so he was looking not how to get it over somewhere faster but how to find out why is there that problem in the first place why are we not going from a to b because of this all right let me not kind of play with it let me eliminate that problem and the problem was width it's too wide let me make it shorter. What's stopping me from making this shorter? He has a phenomenal way of looking at a problem and going, okay, let's not fix the problem. Let's ask ourselves, why is there the problem there in the first place? And I found out with those kind of people, they simplify things. You can talk to people like Ray Kurzweil, Peter Diamandis, uh, Elon Musk, and they will explain the splitting of an atom to you that you will go, uh, and then you can go and tell Johnny at the bar. But it's the guy that talks to you and still makes it sound complicated that doesn't really know the shit that he's talking about. It gets back to what we were talking about before, the legalese, being able to put it into simple terms. Bingo, bingo, bingo. Yeah. yeah, and that was... I actually got a contract when you were talking about the contracts earlier. And I apologize for anyone listening if they think we're bouncing all over the place. But I remember someone, I actually said to him, I think we should get a contract written up for this and he said sure sure i have a standard contract i should be able to put and he had he literally had a computer we were in his office and he was just typing something up and he pulled it off on a piece of paper 
and he signed it and he said there you go i'll sign it first you get your legal team to look at this over and if you're comfortable with it then you sign it and give it back to me and he had written on this single a4 piece of paper if you don't do what you tell me you're going to do i'm going to use every way i can fuck you <laughs> and then signed it and gave it to me and i was like that's brilliant yeah. and i actually used that contract before that is brilliant someone actually sent me and we spoke about the speakeasy someone actually uh, so my speakeasy just not to plug it but the new york speakeasy no plug it because it was awesome i'll plug so, it then if you don't I, I put it out to my peeps and those people that were following me and all this kind of thing five grand new york speakeasy i gave them the dates i told them the generic location that we were midtown and i told them the days and the times and that was the entirety of the information. I didn't tell you who was going to be there. Yeah. I didn't tell you what guests were going to be there, what friends of mine was going to be there. Guests were great. I didn't even tell you the location until a couple of weeks prior. Okay? So you only purchased and got involved in this based on the assumption that I was going to make something cool happen. Okay? Yeah, how many people can get away with that? <laughs> yeah, and we had 30. We were capping it off at 30. We ended up with like 34 people turned up. Yeah. And every single one of them had paid five grand and knew nothing. So one person actually contacted me and they'd already paid. And they said, I'm not kind of like no buyer's remorse, Stephen. I'm really excited about this. But can you give me a kind of a bit of an itinerary on what's going to go on here? My work is asking me and stuff. And I went, absolutely. I'll get you the itinerary over by the end of the day. So I got this piece of paper with my headline logo on it, which is my face. And I got a Sharpie and I said arrive 5 p.m on the sunday night leave monday night 5 p.m <laughs> smarter and then i faxed it to him i didn't email it i faxed it so there you go i just faxed the itinerary so that was it but the thing is yeah i think i achieved that yeah yeah they turned up on the sunday and they left on the monday and they were way smarter so definitely give the plug it was a great event i mean it started with this amazing experience i think it's probably the best way to put it in, yep. a, in a wine is it a, is it a wine well bar? they actually called it? it we got to give these guys a plug it was actually yeah, in a, a bar called the brandy library mm -hmm. and they let us have the downstairs private lounge and they gave us an education on how to drink whiskey and what was in whiskey. It was and excellent. It really, yeah, yeah. And they did it in such a brilliant manner that even if you don't like whiskey, you knew the difference between a single malt, a Japanese whiskey, how to rotate it, how to add a drop of water, how to sip it, how to aerate it. It was very experiential on that. And we also had our first guest, which was one of the top literary agents in America that is the agent for some of the biggest names in the motivational world, should we call it, that actually sat there and unrecorded, it was just for the guest of the speakeasy, spoke about the world of publishing, self-publishing, the fours, the against. And if you were going to ask someone those questions, because I had a lot of people go, oh, I'm thinking of writing a book, Steve. I had one of the top agents that is basically, he's often bribed like big amounts of money to push a book through and he was there to answer your question on what it really was like. I'll just give you some of my experiences. Just Go for obviously it. met 
just a, a bunch of other entrepreneurs who were impressive. And it wasn't just entrepreneurs. It was an eclectic group of people. I think the, the common thread was people that are looking to make themselves better, improve, yep. and just do something with themselves. Like some really interesting people. So my takeaways, besides just having just drinking, uh, I'm not a drinker, but sipping some good cocktails, but enjoying some good food and meeting some great people. But as a result of that experience, I met some people that... I was able to introduce two people that were there together that it turned into some business. That's right. I also met somebody that I introduced to someone else that I know, and I think that one of them was going to make a donation to the other charity, and the other one was going to do some work. I'm not exactly sure, but I got thank yous from both of them. Carol, <laughs> who I met directly, yeah. I was able to help her with her. She's putting out a website and a business plan, yep. and not thank, not expecting anything, but then she offered to introduce me to one of her clients. There are a couple other people that I actually introduced to other people. The gentleman that's got the wine company, um, yep. I'm going to be introducing him to a big wholesaler. And there are a couple, I'm not going to bore you with each and every one, but my point was just me alone you just heard some of my experiences. I can only imagine what some of the other people, because there were some people that seemed like they knew each other also. Not a lot of people knew each other. Oh, really? Um, so just yeah, that's got a lot to do with making sure you've got the right people in the room. I will never run an event for 2,000 people. Why? Because I want to have a conversation. You can't have a conversation with 2,000 people. You can have a conversation with like 30 or 40 people. So that's why we're topping the Speakeasy private community at 40, the Speakeasy events we cap at 30. So you can literally look in the eye as you're talking to 30 people. And more importantly, to make sure it's the right people in the room so that you get the situation like you had. We put the Speakeasy together and then we literally just emailed them and go, what problem do you want solved by the time you go home? And there were people saying, I'm questioning my branding. Oh, I never remember things. Oh, I want to automate my life a bit better because, jeepers, the better I get, the more work I've got coming on. Oh, I want to write a book. So when we did that, when we got those questions and those problems, that's when I was able to go into my Rolodex, call on some of my oak trees, and get them to come along to solve the problems. <laughs> Your oak tree. So speaking of that, I forgot I left out. So some of the speakers, is it okay for me to share who some of the people yeah. were? So Jim Quick, one of them, the memory expert, he was fan. I mean, all of them were great, but I'll give you a perfect example. He's going to be coming on my show. It's another benefit from that. But you made a comment about knowing people here, right? We're sitting in, what's the name of this hotel? Uh, the Roosevelt, Roosevelt Hotel in Hollywood, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so great, awesome hotel. I've been able to implement as a result of Steve's Speakeasy uh, some <laughs> of the practicing of the people. Of, it was Jim Quick's a memory expert, and I've been practicing. I've been getting good. At he's good at it, isn't he's, he? He's really good. He broke it down. He made it really simple. Yeah. And I've always had a trouble remembering people's names. Well, I've quickly remembered people's names. And as a result, you saw what transpired here. You know, I was able to remember yep. the people. Everyone here. here. Yeah, and as a result, they remembering me. And as you can tell, we get treated a little differently yep. by doing just something so simple. Yep, yep. Yeah, and no, we had some cool cats there. There were some people that were questioning me that they had a problem about branding, what it means to be a brand, to brand. Jeffrey was you know. awesome. And so we had one of the heads of uh, not only Ralph Lauren, but Victoria's Secrets that does all that creative adverts and actually shoots the entire show. So you got a man of that stature that's worked with everyone, as I say, from Nike, Ralph Lauren, just massive, great brands. He's sitting in front of you, talking to you about how to tell a story with your brand. I don't know of anyone you could have had sitting up there that was more knowledgeable in that, that quite simply, there's very rarely a situation or circumstance 
that would have ever have come up where you would have been sat there having that chat with him. Yeah, because you were the right kind of person and because we had the right kind of people that were willing to take a risk, mm-hmm. be in that room, we had the right people there answering your problems. So if someone's listening, how should they know if they're the right person to be part of some of your events? If you're happy with your life and you're happy with the bullshit that's in it, and you believe everything you see on Instagram, <laughs> and you're happy in your little pond, then, yeah, don't reach out. Um, you yeah. know, enjoy life and go on being, you know, as ignorant as you are. But if you do wonder how you can make a difference, not only with your life, but with other people's and the impact you can have. See, the better you are, the better you make everyone around you. So if you are irritated with the way people do it, if you are irritated with the results that you get, and you really want to be able to have people in your corner that you can phone up, that you can vox, that you can message with and go, hey, I really want to do this with my website and I can get you an expert. Hey, I'm really thinking of doing this with a book. I'm really thinking of increasing my speaking career. I really just want to talk to like-minded people. You mentioned it earlier. By having those three or four people in my world that I can make a phone call to, because we've got, I've been maxed out on bloody Facebook friends for I'm bloody now, and I don't know 4,999 of them. But I do have people in my diary and in my phone book that if, if the shit goes down, and I've got a problem with QuickBooks, or I've got a problem with how I can get merchant processing, how I can automate things, how I can get autoresponders. There's a good friend of mine, Ari Mizell, who was also one of my friends oh, that came along. Great. He said to me, he said, don't find, don't worry about the how, worry about the who. So now I go out of my life just making sure that I don't know how to solve a problem, I know who can solve it. And then they can stay up to date on it, and when something goes wrong, I can reach out to my who and go, how are we doing? Hey, you're sorted. I haven't got to think about it. So I look for the who's in my life rather than the house. And if you want that, then yeah, you should attend the Speakeasy or you should be part of my Speakeasy community. And I welcome you into chat and see if you're the kind of person I want in there. If not, it's no offense. We're just not meant to be. Yeah, that's great. I encourage anyone. There's so much value that comes out of that, whether it's the knowledge, the contacts, or even if you don't want either of those, it, it was just a good experience. It was entertaining. I just thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, uh, good. Yeah, please, no, yeah, please. I'm very happy to endorse that. So I know your time, getting back to the importance of time, is extremely important. I've got the most random questions is written out. Before <laughs> before you leave, or before we jump, just put your finger and just touch any one of these. And we'll just ah, let's go over here. All right, let's see what we got here. Oh, there's a glare. He's just offered me three pages, and I've just touched yeah. one of the pages. I have no idea what I've just put myself up for. All right, well, let's see what we got here. When was the last time you changed your mind or an opinion you had? How did that happen? Or who can you attribute to influencing your decision? Oh, yeah, this one's a little bit embarrassing. Uh, Ty Lopez and the person that changed my mind was uh, Cole Hatter. So I spoke at Thrive and I found out that Ty Lopez was speaking there as well. And Ty's basically been the irritation of everything that I spoke about earlier. Walking around <laughs> in his garage and showing off his cars. and it, Yeah, this is a poster child of everything I dislike. Uh-huh. I have very rarely met a guy that I was so freaking wrong about. He knows how to provoke and to aggravate, <clears throat> and he utilizes that skill set in order to get you talking about him. Wait, but didn't he start to interrupt? But- he did make it, though, right? Didn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> so everyone likes to look at Ty Lopez and go, oh, the guy's a scam, he's got no money, he rents those. 
he owns all that shit. That's bought and paid for. You throw him comments home about he ain't making any and he doesn't know that own it. That isn't bothering him at all. He is. No, he's got no problem with paying his mortgage this month. The guy really knows how to get into the psyche to push buttons and to get you looking at it. And he knows the ins and outs of things like websites, traffic, conversion, messaging, all of that stuff. And it knocked me on my ass when I got the chance to see him through Cole Hatter. So that was probably about a month and a half ago in Las Vegas. I think I changed my mind on a regular basis because I'm open to that. I think opinions are there to be challenged. If I like something, I want you to come over and go, well, have you ever thought of this? And I will listen to opinions and I will be challenged on it because that's what makes you grow. But the biggest shift I had was when I sat there with Ty Lopez and I went, yeah, I was wrong. And the funny thing is I actually went up on stage after Ty and I went up there and I openly said, well, I was wrong about that guy, you know, (laughs) and I want people to be aware that standing your ground with your opinion is great. As long as it's a brilliant opinion and it's solid, but be aware that opinions can change and they they can form and they can refine over time. So that was my one. That's a great answer. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you coming out here. We had some fun. Now we're going to go throw down and eat a good lunch. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, let's get to that. Thank you. It's been cool. Thanks, buddy. Cheers, my friend. I'm really glad you made it through the whole show. It tells me that you found it entertaining and enjoyed the content. In the spirit of helping us continue to provide such great content and amazing guests, we appreciate your participation through Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash networkwise. Your support really helps. Also, if you or someone you know is looking for a career change, is building a business, seeking to expand sales, or is just generally interested in improving your overall health and happiness, then head on over to networkwise.com. Not only does this platform offer you a plethora of resources, but will walk you through how to expedite the outcomes and the aforementioned goals that you seek. Thanks again for listening. Make it a great day. And remember to always networkwise.